Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. began diving into the Great Commission. We'll be doing that again this week and next week as well. And we discussed how our church purpose is tied to and built on the Great Commission. And we talked first about this overarching command of the Great Commission. It's the only direct command in the Great Commission, which was to go and to make disciples. It's this Greek word, Matthew-tuo. I'll get my Greek right one of these days, I promise. I do good with English half the time, don't I? It's kind of sad. But This one word, it's often translated to disciple or to teach, and that's the one command in the Great Commission. And all these other action words, going, baptizing, teaching, they support this command. They tell us how this command is to be done and fulfilled. Last week, we talked about the baptism clause of the Great Commission and how that tied to our purpose in gathering people, gathering people into the body of Christ for worship, for fellowship, for prayer and bringing other people into this wonderful family of God. I'm glad we got to actually do that this morning, baptizing Grayson. And we got some more baptisms still to come in the following weeks, so thank God for that. I got to talk to somebody this week about my preaching style. I don't know why they were interested in that. But one thing we talked about was the length of sermons. And uh, I said, listen, I'm not a very long-winded preacher. 25, 30 minutes is about all you want to get out of me. And he said, you know, there's an old adage, an old saying that uh, that there's not a bad short sermon. He said, you've really stuck to that, haven't you? I said, well, I've I've tried. And I'll be honest with you this morning, this is going to be another shorter one because I woke up this morning thinking about what I was going to order at Mexican today. So we'll, (laughs) I know that's probably not right. So we better, better get into the Bible while we can. Today we're going to see, (laughs) we're going to talk about what do we do with these people? What do we do with these new believers once we bring them into the church, into the family of God? Because let's be honest, salvation and even baptism, it's only the beginning of a, a lifelong journey of following Christ. What comes next is the teaching and the discipling and the growing. And that's what we're talking about this morning. And we're going to discuss specifically how Jesus said to do that. Uh, how Jesus himself did that, and then how we try to do that here at First Baptist and how you can get on board and involved in that. But before we do that, let's read together again the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. The Bible says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, teaching and discipleship or discipling, they're often used interchangeably, but let's be honest, they're, they're really two totally different concepts in, in our language and even in the Greek. But we get them mixed up. But teaching still, though, is, is a tremendous part of the discipleship process. We cannot make disciples without teaching them. And so what teaching really does is helps believers grow in their knowledge of Christ and 
thus their relationship with him. So let's talk about, again, our purpose. Won't read the whole thing, but part of our purpose as a church is to disciple people. The purpose of First Baptist Church is to lead Christians toward maturity in discipleship. That's the discipling clause of our church purpose statement. And so the first thing we've got to consider this morning, based on Jesus' methods and the Great Commission, is Jesus said what? To teach them. George Bernard Shaw said, and many people have heard this quote, that he who can does, and he who cannot teaches. Now I find that a little bit offensive to anybody that's a teacher. But I have found that some of the best teachers have been those that have been there before, that have been in the trenches, they have the experience, they have this wisdom that they can impart, and they are willing to invest not only their knowledge, but their lives into somebody else. And I've had teachers like that in school, in the church, that have radically changed my life. And this, I believe, is the essence of biblical teaching. Now, Jesus was a teacher. He taught the deep truths of God's Word. He taught His followers how they're supposed to behave, things they should do, things that they should not do. He taught the correct interpretation of God's law, how it's really supposed to be followed. And in the Great Commission, Jesus tells us that we are to teach people first to observe. Now, what does this mean? In the Greek, it means... It really paints the, the, the picture of a fortress to protect or to guard, to, to watch and keep your eyes on something or even to fulfill something. And Jesus is saying to teach people to uphold and fulfill what? He says, everything that I've commanded you. Now, what's that? How many things did Jesus actually command us to do? A lot of times when we talk about that and I ask people that question, we go back to the great the greatest commandments with Jesus summarized the entire law in two things, right? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Man, if we could just get people to do that, the world would be a totally different place. If the church would faithfully just follow those two things, the world would be a totally different place. But what else did Jesus command his followers? Turns out it's a lot of things. Some have identified upwards of 50 different commands given by Jesus throughout the Gospels, let alone what else the Bible says. But things like this, things like to give to those who ask, to go the second mile, to keep alert and watch for the second coming, to not be anxious, not to worry, to not fear people, but to fear God, to treat others the way you'd want to be treated, to rejoice when you're persecuted, and of course in the Great Commission to go and make disciples. But Jesus taught all of these things and so, so much more. But notice he didn't do his teaching from a classroom. Really even from a pulpit. He did it while living in a discipling relationship with his followers. With other believers. As Todd Gray said this week, he said, You can't make disciples at McDonald's or in the classroom. They're made through those intentional discipling relationships. Jesus I believe, was a master at this, not only in teaching people and in relaying information, but modeling what discipleship is supposed to look like for us. And I believe if we want to make disciples, as Christ has commanded us to make disciples, and if we want to experience the blessings of His ministry, then we probably should employ the methods of His ministry. In other words, we need to do it Jesus' way if we want to get the results that Jesus got. So not only did Jesus command us to teach what He taught, but He showed us how to make disciples in the way that he did it. And let's talk about this because Jesus discipled in a very specific way. And I'll be honest with you, it, 
in large part, looks a lot different from a lot of the methods that the modern church uses to make disciples. So how did he do it? Well, he taught and he ministered and he discipled on at least three different levels or to three different groups. Now, we're going to go through these different ones. I want you to see how Jesus did this. The first was the largest group, and that was the multitudes or the crowds. So Jesus, as you read through the Gospels, he would regularly teach and speak to large crowds of people as they gathered together to hear what he had to say. And he would even minister to the needs of large crowds of people. I think one of the greatest examples of this is when Jesus looks out over this crowd of thousands and he knows they're hungry. And he then feeds them with simple things, bread and fish. Jesus was a very effective speaker. He had the ability to teach deep biblical truths in a way that people could understand and grasp. But this is not how Jesus spent the majority of his time in ministry. This level of focus, though, the crowds, the big numbers tends to be our focus today. And it's a little backwards in the way Jesus did it. Typically, we want to get as many people as we can together so they can hear what so-and-so has to say. And while that's important and it can't be overlooked, that's certainly not all that we should be doing. And So, Jesus, I believe, beckons us to go a lot deeper than what we can go in a crowd like this. You can sit here and you can listen to me, and I hope and I pray every week that you get something out of that. But I'll just be straightforward. If this right here is all you're getting, you're missing a whole element of your walk and growth in Christ. Jesus tells us to go a little bit deeper. Elton Trueblood, a 20th century theologian, said, commenting on this problem, he says, perhaps the greatest single weakness of the contemporary Christian church is that millions of supposed members are not really involved at all. And what is worse, do not think it strange that they are not. There's not a real chance of victory in a campaign if 90% of the soldiers are untrained and uninvolved, but that's exactly where we stand now. Jesus knew that true discipleship really required a more intimate setting, and it required more intimate relationships with other believers than could be achieved through a large group setting. And so Jesus spent the majority of his time with who? With the twelve. When Jesus set out to establish His church and change the world, He didn't call upon the most powerful or the most wealthy or the most elite. He didn't tap into the military might of the Roman Empire, but He chose 12 ordinary men, fishermen, tax collectors, many of whom would probably have remained obscure and lost to history had it not been for Jesus. And it was this ragtag group of tax collectors and zealots that Jesus invested most of His time and most of His energy into during His ministry. And he taught the 12 things that he couldn't teach the crowds, whether it was due to time or whatever the case may be. But these 12, they spent time, quality time with Jesus. They ate with him. They traveled with him. They prayed with him. They watched as he did things, ministering to other people. And it was this group that Jesus would use as the beginning for his church. But this wasn't the last group that Jesus ministered to. And that's what we've got to realize we tend to think Jesus preached to a lot of people and then he dealt with the twelve. But there's another group out of that twelve that I think Jesus took a little bit deeper. We'll talk more specifically about this tonight. But that's the group of three. Peter, James, and John. And on occasion, Andrew got to tag along. But throughout the Gospels, on several occasions, we see Jesus taking these three men 
away from the others. And revealing things to them that he didn't reveal to the others. And I think probably one of the greatest examples of this is when Jesus chooses to take these three men upon the Mount of Transfiguration where he's glorified in front of them and Moses and Elijah appear and and it's just, you can only begin to imagine the things that they saw and witnesses. God again spoke from heaven that this is my son. It's a level of discipleship that I believe is missing in many churches. It's smaller and even more intimate than that group of 12. And that with it comes a deeper level of, I'm going to hurt your feelings here, something we need. Accountability and community. But Jesus didn't stop there. He did minister to the multitudes. He ministered to the twelve. He ministered to the three. But then his methods of discipleship went one level farther. And that was that he sent them out. A disciple is one that learns to become like another in order to make others who do the same. Jesus' methods of teaching were not only a transfer of knowledge because he did teach so many different incredible things, but it was more a transformation of life. And he trained these Men, He equipped his followers for ministry, but he didn't just leave them there knowing how to do everything. He actually gave them the opportunity to do so, and he sent them out. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus doing this, ministering to people while his followers watched, and then he allowed his followers, the disciples, to help with that ministry, and then he uh, allowed the disciples to minister while he helped them, and eventually he just turns them loose and says, go and make disciples. Of all nations. I believe that the Lord Jesus perfected the discipleship process. And so again, it would be wise for us to model Jesus' methods. And that's what we're trying to do as a church. Even though things have changed in the past 2,000 years, even though we're a world away from uh, first century Israel, we can take Jesus' principles for making disciples and apply them here in Barberville, Kentucky. And we try our best to model Jesus' methods for discipleship. It's part of our purpose as a church, to lead Christians toward maturity in discipleship. And so we need to have in place a structure where people can be taken from where they are in their walk with Christ to the next step, to the next step, to the next step, becoming more like Him every step of the way. For every age, for every level of maturity, for whatever situation life has you in, we need a place where you can grow in your faith and walk with Jesus. And just like Jesus, for us this looks a little like these four different things that we have to be engaged in. At First Baptist, I believe that you need to be here on Sunday morning. How many love our Sunday morning gatherings? About ten people. Come on now. Do you love being here on Sunday morning? I enjoy being together, worshiping with my brothers and sisters in our church family. We need to be engaged in this corporate worship gathering. Part of the multitude as Jesus ministered to the multitudes. But if that's all we get, again, if you only come every Sunday at 1045, you're missing out. You're missing out on the life change that Jesus can change, uh, bring to your life. So in addition to the large group, you need to be part of a smaller group, just like that 12. In our church, it looks a lot like 10 to 20. And I think a good example of this is that Sunday school group that meets at 930 on Sunday morning that Miss Mary talked about. 
and shared all the wonderful things that God does through Sunday school. And we got a Sunday school for every age, for every situation that you're in. And it's in that that you begin to develop that community with other believers. You begin to go a little bit deeper in fellowship, deeper in, the, in discipleship and into the Word than you can right here. I would also add to that our Sunday night services. Where's my 40 that come on Sunday night? Amen. We have a good time, don't we? And I'm being very candid about this because I want you to see there's nothing intimidating about coming on Sunday night or Wednesday night or coming to a Sunday school group. On Sunday night and Wednesday night, we gather together a lot less formally than this, and we, we, we talk to one another. It ain't just me preaching and teaching. We talk to one another. We have discussions, and we learn from the wisdom. Oh, my gosh, the vast wisdom and experiences and wonderful things that God has done in your lives. And we learn from one another. And iron begins to sharpen iron. Now, some of you are already thinking, okay, Pastor, what about the three? Well, I'll be honest with you. Like many churches, I think that three, three to five, has been a missing link for our church as well. And right now, I'll just share with you, there's a pilot program going on with the first two, we're calling them D groups or discipleship groups at First Baptist Church. It's groups of three to five men or women meeting together for the purpose of getting into God's Word, having that level of accountability, and growing together in Christ. And guess what the curriculum is for that? We've got curriculum for Sunday school, but guess what the curriculum is for these D groups? It's this. I believe that God's Word is what's going to change your life the most. And our goal through these D groups is to allow three or four men to get together for women to get together. Look deep at what God's Word says and watch as it changes one another's lives. So you'll be hearing more about that in the weeks and months to come and anticipate a personal invitation as we approach 2022. So the final element of discipleship is this, and that's service. You can learn, you can grow with other believers, but sometimes you will grow more and you will grow faster by investing the things, the talents, the resources God has given you into back into His kingdom. Now, there's no shortage of ways that you can serve through this church. And, then, and I'll just be honest with you. I need your help. We need people that are willing to work in the nursery. We need folks that are willing to load up and drive a bus for 15, 20 minutes before and after church. We need people that are willing to invest in the lives of other people. We need people that are just willing to come and, and do some things around the church and let alone the different mission opportunities that we have going out into our community. I need your help and you need to be serving because I promise you, as you do, your life's going to change. It's the fourth element that we need to grow. So here's the challenge for us this morning. It's very simple. I want you to ask yourself, where are you in this process? From point A to point B, from point A being I'm a brand new Christian to point B, I'm getting ready to go meet the Lord and I'm as close to Him as I'll ever be. Where are you at? Are you connected in some way and growing in your faith? Are you serving in some capacity? Are you in a discipling relationship with other believers? And if not, what in the world is stopping you? Because this is the method that Jesus exampled and modeled for us. And I think we need to be part of it. So wherever you are this morning, I ask you to make a commitment to go 
one step. You don't have to do it all in one, one leap, but take one step in obedience in the direction that God wants you to go. Stay with me and let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning, we've talked about growing. God, we know that one, you love us, and you love us wherever we are, whatever situation we're in, whatever's happened in our lives, whatever we've done. Lord, you love us, though, enough to not leave us where we are. Father, we all have a step that we can take. Lord, maybe it's a step into the baptismal waters. Maybe it's a step into a Sunday school. Maybe it just means we need to pick up our Bible and dust it off and commit to reading it every day this week. Lord, I pray that you would convict us this morning and show us, Lord, if we don't know, show us what step it is that we need to take in obedience to follow you become more like you. And God, I pray that you would help First Baptist Church to make disciples who make disciples. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you, there's a decision that you need to make, if you just want to come and pray, this altar is open. Baptism something you've been thinking about. If you need to commit to getting plugged in, to taking a deeper step, whatever the case may be, once you come this morning, let us pray for you. Let's talk about it and find where it is that God wants you to go next. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.